0: Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Gianna Malillo, Associate Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. As the COVID-19 pandemic continues to take a toll on the nation a year and a half later, public health workers, leaders, and researchers alike are still grappling with ways to convince a large swath of Americans to roll up their sleeves and get vaccinated. Even as cases and deaths decline nationally, states like Alaska continue to ration care as hospitals struggle with surges of largely unvaccinated patients with COVID-19. Currently, approximately 57% of the nation's population is fully vaccinated, meaning at least 100 million more individuals have yet to receive the shot. For these reasons, safety precautions like masking, social distancing, and encouraging vaccinations remain crucial to stamp out the virus. In a recent study published in Basic and Applied Social Psychology, researchers sought to increase compliance with COVID safety measures using cognitive dissonance as a guide, and their results yielded some promising conclusions. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we speak with Logan Pierce, a graduate student at Princeton University and co-author of the study entitled, Fostering COVID-19 Safe Behaviors Using Cognitive Dissonance. Thank you so much for joining us today, Logan. To begin, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work?
1: Uh, Okay, my name is Logan Pierce. I'm a second year grad student at Princeton. Uh, I studied cognitive dissonance with my advisor, uh, Joel Cooper. And recently I did a study where we tried to use cognitive dissonance to motivate people to follow coronavirus guidelines.
0: Great. And so how did you carry out your study on encouraging vaccination and different COVID-19 protocols?
1: So we used a paradigm called induced hypocrisy. And hypocrisy sounds, you know, a little harsh. Psychologists don't mean it in any bad way. But basically, uh, you get people to say that something is important. So like, you know, wearing masks, social distancing, that kind of thing. And then you get them to remember a time when they didn't follow that. So a time when they like went somewhere and forgot their mask or they just weren't wearing their mask because other people weren't wearing it, something like that. Um, and then this creates dissonance, which is just like a feeling of like psychological tension or discomfort. And when people feel this, they try to resolve it, usually by changing their behavior to match what they thought was important. So basically that will end up with people, you know, following guidelines more frequently.
0: What were the main findings of your study? So, we had four conditions.
1: um, And so, three were like control conditions. And then we had our target condition, which did the dissonance thing that I just described. And uh, we found that those participants reported following coronavirus guidelines more than the people in the other conditions. So, there were two parts of the study. In the first part, we like, you know, introduced them the dissonance participants, the way I described, other participants did some control tasks. And then we had uh, a part two, which was one week later, and it was the same for all the participants. And basically people would describe um, like how often they followed coronavirus guidelines in the the intervening week.
0: Can you elaborate on why you targeted individuals who already agreed masking and vaccinating was important, but still weren't taking these precautions?
1: Yeah, so this paradigm has been used in other um, health related fields before. So there was another one that worked with, um, it was like condoms and sexually active college students. So basically they thought they were um, helping to prevent high schoolers from getting AIDS, but really they were part of the study. And they found that participants in you know, our target condition, they like bought more condoms than the other groups. And then my advisor and his other grad student, Lauren Feldman, they did a more recent study where they tried to get um, elderly adults to exercise more and they used the same paradigm. So basically it has a lot of, you know, backing his, uh, historically in the psychological literature and um, it's pretty robust. But for the other question, like why, why target people who already believe in coronavirus when there are other people who uh, maybe aren't following them at all? I think you know, people are very tired. This was in March and I felt like already really tired with, you know, coronavirus. And so that's when you start to see people, even though they know that it's good to, you know, wash your hands a bunch or wear your mask everywhere, you really start to see some drop off and how often people are actually doing those things that they know are correct. And I I think the other problem is just that, you know, if you don't believe in the vaccine at this point, it's really hard to convince you because there are a lot of scientific studies, you know?
0: And you kind of touched on this already, but can you explain cognitive dissonance in more detail for our listeners to better understand?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a broad term. uh, Basically, when there's some kind of inconsistency, Uh, people, you know, they don't like this kind of inconsistency. Inconsistency, it feels, you know, bad. It creates uh, discomfort. So induced hypocrisy, is one type when you basically know that you should do something but you're actually not doing it uh there's actually a a big literature on like cults this is kind of how it started in in the 50s um it's like one of the ways it started basically like uh you have all these like cult groups and they have like you know the world is going to end on this day like for sure and so the they sell all their possessions they like do all these things to you know get ready for the end of the world and then it gets to the date and then the, like you know the world is it's still going on right so the world hasn't ended so you would think that maybe people would you know not believe in the cult but they actually end up believing in the cult a lot more and so the idea is that there's like this tension like oh like I i sold everything I like left all my family and friends to join this cult I don't have anything left like why did I do that And then to resolve this like dissonance, they actually believe in it like more strongly, if that makes sense.
0: I see. And going back to your study in particular, there were, correct me if I'm wrong, there are a few different groups. So one group, they were all asked to watch a video on the importance of COVID protocols. One group was mindfulness where they had to reflect on times they did not follow the protocols. Another group was advocacy, where they had to go on and advocate for the protocols they watched in the video. Mm -hmm. And another group did both mindfulness and advocacy, and that group was more likely to participate in COVID-19 precautions in the week following the experiment. Is that correct?
1: Yes, Uh, we also had one other group, uh, just the control. They didn't do advocacy or mindfulness, so they just went straight to the dependent measures. So yeah, it was four conditions total.
0: And can you elaborate on what or why the advocacy phase was so crucial in your study?
1: Yeah, so this is interesting. So in in my study and in other studies that my advisor has done, he's found that uh, it's really critical to have this advocacy part. Um, But there's actually a a different meta-analysis that came out recently, and they found something different that mindfulness is actually um, usually like, not quite as effective as dissonance, but like, you know, it's has some good effects. So that was a little bit different. Uh, what we're thinking is that if you just have mindfulness, then um, maybe you think like, oh, like, oh, I like actually didn't follow COVID guidelines. Maybe I'm just like, not as good, or maybe I don't care about this as much as I thought I did. So it kind of like changes your perception of yourself And then that's why um, the mindfulness only condition wasn't as good as the dissonance condition is what we're thinking.
0: Are there any worries that this group of holdouts is dwindling and then what will be left with is individuals who are more staunchly opposed to these precautions?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think that targeting the holdouts is important, but dissonance is not the best route because really dissonance relies on you thinking that you did something that was against your your beliefs i still think that they i mean i see people i know that you know like we have this rule on campus where like you know you're supposed to wear your mask you know in the, in the dining hall or like whenever you're inside or you're at the gym but i definitely see like most people are good but there are some people who are just you know they take off their mask once they get in the gym and like i get it they're tired because they're like running um but i definitely think there are still people who know what to do but are tired and they aren't doing it as much as they should
0: and so how can these findings be implemented on a larger scale
1: yeah so like we talked about in the paper um having some type of contest you know like how they had the ones in um new york and there's different ones at colleges alabama is another one um Basically, people say, you know, why people should follow coronavirus guidelines. Like, that's how the previous contests have worked. And uh, we could do something similar where they have to say why it's important and they have to recall times when they, you know, didn't follow the guidelines. So basically just do the dissonance part of our study, but make that into a contest would be one way that we thought.
0: And as you mentioned before, I mean, this has been implemented in other... Aspects related to public health, like safe sex and drunk driving, are there any other examples you can give as to how these findings can be translated? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: that's the problem. A lot of times, this stuff just it stays in academia, uh, even though it's like pretty consistent. For some reason, it's just hard getting it, um, you know, into the real world, so to speak. So I, I can't think of any off the top of my head where they actually you know, have put it into the real world. But now that this COVID paper has come out, you know, people are curious about it. You know, I I think I should do some work and try to actually implement this at some level. I thought about doing it here um, at Princeton, but really people are like too good at following it in general, besides the the few individuals I mentioned, Um, but maybe doing it in some other area that's, you know, not quite as good. So it's definitely something for me to work on for sure.
0: Those are all the questions I had, but is there anything we didn't touch on you'd like to include, or do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share? I don't I don't think so. I think I think that's it for me. Great. Well thank you again so much for taking time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you. To learn more about this issue, visit ajmc.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at ajmc.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.